Welcome to C-Suite Radio. The Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by the Cheap Seat Entertainment Network. Holy heartbeat! Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the podcast. On the show today, Daphne Maxwell-Reed is on the show, and you know her as Aunt Vivian from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. 93 to 96 is when she was on the show, and we are going to have a fun conversation. Boy, oh boy, Daphne is the absolute best, and she is just so much fun to talk to. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Total nostalgia moment for me talking to her and just listening to her experiences she's had in her career, what led her to the Fresh Prince, and just some great stories from the set and just a lot of fun and exciting things. She's also married to Tim Reed, who is another world-famous, iconic actor, producer, and writer, and they have been married for just over 38 years, and they work really well together. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think you will. Daphne, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here today. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Well, we were just chatting before we started recording recording kind of about what we're going to talk about and she has this beautiful painting behind her you can't see this you'll be able to see it later if you watch the live video but if you're listening you're like what is he talking about let's talk about that painting behind you who created it and your association and relationship with them uh that painting is by a gentleman named salvador who is a famous painter in cuba and I visited Cuba several times and went to his workshop and picked that one out of a pile that I just loved. I love the color red. It's a dynamic color. And uh, a lot of my energy is a red energy. So I like to keep red around me. And uh, while I was in Cuba one time, I took a photographic tour of about eight cities in Cuba. And since I do photographs of doors, I did a door collection and ended up uh, publishing a book called, um, what is it called? Cuba 2015 Opening Closed Doors, because that was the year that Obama opened up the embassy back again. Uh, and I was celebrating that along with celebrating the art and culture of Cuba and the wonderful people there. Yes. Yeah. It's It seems so far ago but uh, i remember that and that was a huge time for our country and for us to be a part of that was super significant because before that it had been closed right we couldn't go there was no trade or anything oh i went before that oh you did of course you did (laughs) um, (laughs) in the early 2000s i I, we went as journalists and we were doing uh, studies about uh the people and the art and the culture of cuba and doing some videoing and went with my husband on a couple of trips and um, just found it a glorious, magical place that I hope we can get back online. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just such an odd time for our country right now, everything happening. So that leads me to my next question. Obviously, you're a very creative person. We all know you 
as Aunt Viv from The Fresh Prince, but I feel like I don't want to bury the headline because there's so much more to you than just that. We'll obviously get to that later, but let's talk about just the last few months, what you've been up to and what has been keeping you occupied during these crazy times of lockdown, uh, home home arrest, <laughs> whatever you, you want to call it. Well, being the person that I am in the business I am, being at home for stretches of time is not a different thing. <laughs> it's what entrepreneurs are like. And um, there's always something to do, either a creative project or a book to read or, or some reaching out to do that you don't have to physically be in a certain place. So I've been spending a lot of time cleaning out closets <laughs> <laughs> and doing things that I don't take time to do because I've always got something else to do. And I've also been um, making masks. Yeah, I since, saw that. Uh, since we started on this lockdown, I had just left California about three days before it closed down. I was shooting a Christmas movie out there. And I got out just in time, as they say, and realized that the only way that we can get back to work and get back to interacting with other people is to be wearing masks. So I experimented on my family with different versions of masks that I created and finally settled on a pattern that I'm really um, very comfortable with and has done well and is very comfortable and it has a filter in it so you can change the filter you can feel a little more secure while you're out so i've been doing that and selling them on my website yes now by nature you've always been a very creative person even going all the way back to the beginning of your career as far as fashion and sort of being on well, i shouldn't even say sort of you've been on the cutting edge of a lot of historic events and all of those different types of things when you were kind of growing up and getting older, did you always have an affinity for the arts and for performing? Was that something that interested you or did that part come later as far as film and television and those types of things? If you ask my parents, I, I started performing very early. <laughs> I was always on. It wasn't uh, something that you could see a way to earn a living doing since there were not a lot of Black women who were examples for me to follow. So I did it as a hobby. I do it on a Saturday afternoon. I joined a group called the Group Theater Workshop, and we did um, plays around, I guess, improvisations and workshops. And we took them around the city. I grew up in New York City. We took them around the city and played in playgrounds and in Central Park. And sometimes we did some off-Broadway theater things that were just workshops, basically. It grew into the Negro Ensemble Company, which is a very, very famous um, Black repertory company in New York. And I'm happy to have been there with some of the nascent people um, who created the beautiful, beautiful group that they have now. And wonderful artists that we worked with, writers, Douglas Turner and, and Barbara Ann Tier was our movement coach and she was a fabulous dancer. There were a lot of different things. And I met a lot of folks who I worked with in the business after that, when I finally got into the business, which was after college. Because going to college, you were on a completely different trajectory. You weren't setting out to be an actor. That wasn't your plan, no. right? I wanted my MF, my MRS and my BA, and I got both. 
And I was, I went to school to start, I guess I wanted to be a teacher initially. And then I realized I really didn't want to be a teacher. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of went into a different track of, of creation that I liked. I loved architecture. And Chicago is an amazing place for architecture. And Northwestern University, where I went, had a course in interior design and architecture. So I took that major, and I'm very happy that I did. It was a wonderful travel. It is, and obviously it has paid off for you with all of your creations that you have, your clothing line, Fresh Prints, P-R-I-N-T-S, uh, that you have. and. They're- Paintings, they're all photographs. Photographs, yes, photographs. I apologize. I stand corrected. The photographs. And it all has just sort of culminated into this thing that defines you who you are as a human being and as a person. And that's really exciting. It's so great because oftentimes, you know, when I talk to creatives and actors, you know, they sort of do things sort of as an afterthought, but this has always been something you've done. And acting has just been another piece to the puzzle. As far as being a creative, Daphne, what drives you and motivates you to continue to create and to just put together amazing and beautiful things? I was born with gifts from my God. Yes. And these gifts are talents in various media. And I realized that if I didn't manifest my best effort in each creative talent that I have, I would be kind of thumbing my nose to my gifts. And I I wanted to honor the gifts that I have. And uh, I take journeys because I'm a nosy girl. And I'm always asking why and how and where. I found out that my journeys led on different paths at different times. So there are years that I spend creating a line of clothing and I sell that and I love the journey. And then, okay, I don't need to do that right now because I got into another journey and I started with a photographic journey. I didn't know that I was as steeped in photography as I turned out to be. I was taking pictures as I traveled and some friends of mine who I shared my pictures with and my travels with said, why don't you do a gallery show of this stuff? And I'm going, because you have to be a photographic artist to do that. And they said, and? (laughs) So (laughs) I woke up on my 60th birthday and said, okay, I'm going to be a photographic artist. And then I went about finding out what that meant. And the journey that I took for the first 10, 12 years has been an amazing, amazing journey. I learned so much about editing and processing and publishing and selling and marketing, and I just absolutely love it. So that was a journey that I took that I'm still steeped in. I make cards now of the photographs that I have, and I do collaborations with other artists. I did a collection of note cards with a woman named Stacy Abram, Stacy Adams, who creates, she's a writer and she writes these wonderful little inspirational quotes. And we collaborated on a set of cards and they are doing very well. I did the cards so that the photograph 
covers the front and the back of the card. And then her words are on the front and on the inside. So if you finish with the card, you can open it up and frame it. It's a piece of art. I try to be innovative each time I do a journey because the field already exists. There are a lot of people who are making note cards. There are a lot of people who are doing photographs. What makes mine unique? And I think my focus on uh, doors, and I only do doors, um, makes me unique. And it gives me a reason to share, try to inspire people to look at the details in their life. Because you don't usually notice doors. They're just there. But they are, they're a metaphor for life. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they represent curiosity and adventure and passages. When you're going through your life, it's noticing the details that make your journey very rich. And if you don't notice the details, you're really just getting from A to B without living it. And I try to encourage people to live the days noticing the presence of what is around you as you are moving through time. I I already feel better talking to you here. In the last 10 minutes, you know, it's interesting out of a lot of I talked to a lot of different people, but I had a conversation a couple months ago with Mario Van Peebles. Obviously, I'm sure you know who he is. And he said some very similar types of things about being on this journey and in relations to the pandemic and just kind of we're all kind of on a timeout. God's basically said, you guys are on timeout. Go to your room, hang out for a while and think about it. And think about you know, it. Say, go just just sit down, just think about it. <laughs> yeah, a very Aunt Viv moment. You know, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. You know, and let's have some thoughtful moments. But I, I think it's just so simpatico that that's kind of where we are. But also, just stop and smell the roses, right? And just really appreciate life and everything that you have, because I feel like as a culture. We're just always moving on to the next thing and trying to get to the next moment. What's next? What's after this? What's after that? And we we just miss out. You miss out on right now. Right now, things are happening that affect you. And what you need to do is realize how they affect you and what you're going to do about it. And that's a daily quest of filling your day with purposeful things to do. And the pandemic kind of centered everybody. They put you in a room and they say, now sit down and think about it. And while you're thinking about it, grow. It's a wonderful time for growth, for learning something new that you didn't take the time to learn, but you were interested in learning. I'm about to start learning how to play the piano. Oh, wow. And that's my next journey. I want to play the piano, so I'm going to go do that. You have the ability to do that. I like that piece too of this is just a chance to learn something new and do something different than what you maybe didn't know before, a new skill set. And um, everybody is literally on the same playing field. I know a lot of things. They are better starting. be because the world is not going to be the same when we come No, out. it's not. It's not. Especially in your industry of entertainment and acting. I'm watching these news stories every day of productions that are starting back up and People are just, they don't know what to do because it's so different. You know, they're not used to wearing a mask between action and cut and all of these other things and going out into public. It's different. And I we say the new normal, but 
I don't think it's going to be a new normal. It's just going to be new, right? Just new. New paradigm. A new world. It's a brave new world. Get get used to it. If we have any, any feeling for community, any sense of community, you wear a mask and do it for them, not just for yourself. Yeah. Unbelievable times that we're in. And you've experienced and seen a lot of fantastic things Looking back on your career as a performer from when mm-hmm. you started till now, what are some of the differences that you have seen? How have things changed? How has the entertainment industry changed, either hopefully for the better? And um, how has that affected you? When I started in the business, there were only three television networks. So if you got a show on a television network, you were kind of groomed by them, almost a, a throwback to the old studio system where they had contract players, but it was just support from a network. You get to work with the the people who are um, in charge of deciding what shows are going to go on, and you help shape that. And then when it opened up and cable started, we started losing the support system that we had. It bode well for more independent uh, people. Thank goodness my husband is very creative and independent anyway. Moving into the cable world was something that we were able to do because we had had success in the other world of television where we had CBS shows back to back to back to back for many years. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Some of them were fabulous, but before their time. And so the cookie crumbled, but you had a support system. Now I go to work for independent producers who don't have anything but that bag of money to make that film. They have to work around that and decide who they can sell it to. There's a whole new process in selling your work. And there's more of a a democracy about what gets seen because there are so many more channels that are available to show your work. So it's It's not one is better than the other. It is just different. Mm -hmm. And I have been so blessed to go through all of the changes that are happening. I am still working. My husband just left today to make a film. Oh, wow. We are still working and we are paying attention to, because of COVID, what the protocols will be. And if following the protocols and having the union behind you to really make sure that the protocols are followed makes me feel like going back to work. If I don't have that kind of support system, I, I, I can stay home. <laughs> you're fine but you're like why would i want to go do that yeah so paying attention to the protocols and understanding the virility of this disease and how it's spread we're learning every day more about it but i'm listening to the scientists and hearing how to mitigate my exposure to it yes i think that is important too and just being educated on both sides and making sure that we have wise choices. As we mentioned also before rolling tape, I have a six-year-old, so we're homeschooling this year, first grade, because we just want to be careful in the sense that the the protocols really, at least here, aren't there. They're not there. Like they have, I don't want to make this political, 
But outside of all of that, it's just, it doesn't make sense as to what they want to do. And people need to use their common sense. Yeah, yeah. 30 children in a room with a teacher and you don't know where everybody's been and you don't know who everybody's been with. I don't want to be in that environment. No. (laughs) Sorry. And until we get a plan, the big picture can't be just wished to happen. No, no. Throw people out there and sacrifice people while you're busy trying to do something else. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and a six-year-old's not going to wear a mask for three hours at a time, two hours at a time at all. He may. He has a hard time, but yeah, he might. Yeah, <laughs> he might. Well, you mentioned something, your husband, Tim, who is also iconically famous for being an actor and a performer. How is that relationship Like you're both creatives. Do you watch each other's work? Do you critique each other's work or do you just do your thing and support each other in that regard? Because you both have done equally amazing projects and work, in my opinion. How do do you find that balance uh, in your relationship as two creatives, two performers? We started off working together as performers. Um, I encouraged his desire to be a writer and a director and a producer. And we managed to make that manifest while I was being a performer. I'm not a writer. I'm not a director. I can co-produce. I can make it happen. Not my burning desire. It's his. So we worked together for many years. We moved to Virginia and we built Virginia's first film studio. And uh, we ran that for about 14 years. 16 years where we did independent films, where we did television series for Showtime and for uh, TV One. We started, we helped start TV One with their first original programming. We have been through a lot of things together. And after about 25 years of together, I wanted to do some other things. And he wanted to focus more on what he specifically wanted to do. So we shook hands and said, okay, do it. (laughs) I'm not working with you anymore. He is a creative both on the computer, teaches me tricks, I teach him tricks. And we just support each other's endeavors. But there's a lot of times where he is somewhere doing his thing and I'm somewhere else doing mine. And we come back together and say, hey, how you doing? Let's share. And then that's it. But we've been married for a almost 38 years. So yeah, a very long time. It's an easy flow from one thing to the other. It's we have our standards, we have our our tiffs, but hey, I'm not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. I <laughs> <laughs> <Hide> it out. <laughs> yeah, at this point you just work it out. Right? Yeah, I just- mean, that's all you have to do. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to talk about Fresh Prince. Obviously, I would be remiss if we did not mention that. 1993-ish, we turn on the television and The Fresh Prince starts and, whoa, we have a new Aunt Vivian. Outside of all of the minutiae involving that, what was your experience like on the show coming in to a cast that had already been up and going for a while? The new Aunt Vivian, I remember the scene very vividly. It was funny. It was hilarious and and it was subtle. It was it was <laughs> yeah. It was like uh the look. Yeah. Let's talk about that 
because that happens a lot in television let's be honest like they make cast changes a lot and you watch a show and you go oh that person's different i could think of five shows offhand that have done it but this show in particular it was very it was subtle and people accepted it quite well what were your experiences like on the show and how did that change your life what was that like for you and being part of such a nostalgic moment in television history i'm a lucky girl <laughs> uh tim and i had just finished doing about our fifth or sixth television series and we were a little worn out and it was 1993 well it was 89 when we left la to go move to uh virginia i got called to audition for a show and they said it's with a rapper and i said uh thank you no <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we moved to the farm and i'm watching the new season as it came on television and this show called the fresh prince of bel-air came i said oh what a cute show and i really enjoyed the show and three years later i'm at the farm and they called me and said we'd like you to come in on audition for the fresh prince of bel-air and before they could get it out of their mouth i was on a plane so <laughs> I came back to L.A. and auditioned for about two and a half weeks and um, fell in love with James Avery. And we just had a chemistry that was just, mm. just something that was real. I just absolutely loved the man. And um, the first day on set, they greeted me like I was <laughs> always there. I, there wow. were three dozen red roses in my room that Will had put there. They treated me like family. There was no big deal. It was, let's get to work. They knew my former work. They knew that I had been on television for 20 years before The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And um, they just warmly embraced me. I was petrified. As soon as we got the first scene out, I relaxed and just had fun. It was the one of the best sets that I've ever been on. I have to say that Frank's Place was my favorite set. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is just family to me. They wonderful people watching these kids grow up and become the, the wonderful grown folk that they've become is just very satisfying. I think that show was lightning in a bottle and there's just been far and few between shows like that that have competed and compared because it was just something different about it. And I we jest, but really like the transition was very smooth and it was very subtle it was funny. It was fun. It's a show that, let's see, 93, I was just about to graduate high school at the time. And it was just a great show. And, and now it lives in infamy on streaming services. And one day when my son's old enough, I definitely want to introduce him to The Fresh Prince. I've watched episodes and he looks at me laughing and he's like, what's so funny? I still uh, laugh. I yeah. still, when his father leaves and, and he is just heartbroken and Uncle Phil consoles him and they're just such rich moments. And we had so many rich moments backstage that it was just a wonderful place to work. I can imagine to have an experience like that and then having to move on. And, and, and I hear that often from a lot of people. It's like, this has been the greatest moment. And then I don't know that I'll ever have those moments again. Oh, I will. Yeah. Well, you will. Of course you are. You're, you're Daphne <laughs> Maxwell Reed. No 
question about that. Well, wonderful. That is just fun. And I appreciate you sharing and taking your time today. If people Bye. want to learn more about you, obviously, if they don't know who you are, uh, they're under a rock, but your artwork, your clothing line, your cookbooks, how can they get in touch with all of that? I have a website that is so easy to remember because it's just my name, DaphneMaxwellReed.com. And it, on that website, which I created, learned how to do that. I maintain, I learned how to do that. I um, share my books that I've written, um, the cards that I've made, the photos that I've shot, the line of clothes that I do, just general information about me. And there's lots of ways to get in touch with me. So take a look, come visit me on my website and come share some of my artwork. Wonderful. Well, Daphne, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Today's episode of the Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by Cheap Seat Entertainment.